Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. And as always, I love bringing to you people who are focused on their own growth and development, and they're also dedicated to the development of the people around them. And today you're going to love my guest, who I'll tell you about in just a moment. But one reason I chose this podcast and Grow Strong Leaders is because it reinforces what my company is all about. We have products and books that help people connect more effectively with each other at work and at home, and you can learn more at growstrongleaders.com. Today, I am very excited to welcome as my guest, Ray Leonard Jr. Welcome, Ray. Hey, thanks, Meredith. Thanks for having me on here. Well, I'm so excited. And of course, before we get started, I must give a shout out to our mutual friend and colleague, Sajel Thacker, because she is responsible for us knowing each other, and she's just a phenomenal connector. So we both really appreciate her. Before we get started in our conversation, let me tell my audience about you, even though your name is probably very familiar Mm -hmm. to them. Ray Leonard Jr. will forever be remembered as appearing with his famous father, Hall of Fame boxer Sugar Ray Leonard in the 1970s iconic 7-Up commercial, which captured the hearts of millions. And now today, Ray is a top motivational keynote speaker, a radio host, an actor, and an award-winning business executive. He is what I would have to call a serial entrepreneur because he has experience in starting and running multiple businesses. And he is the CEO of a new startup company called Ovations, and that's Ovation with a Z, which is focused on matching virtual event planners with speakers who can serve their audiences. So, Ray, let's start. Of course, we have to start with your growing up years and talk about what was it like to grow up with a famous father? And how did your father and mother's journey begin? Oh, that, that's, that's a loaded one right there. Uh, when it's, you talked about my commercial in the 70s. And so <laughs> I'm aging myself with, with that. But um, I, I was born to two teenage parents. My, my mother was uh, 15, my father was 16. I was born in Palmer Park, Maryland. Uh, a little small town. It was like 14 of us to a two-bedroom house. Uh, then my father got picked to be in the 1976 Olympics and won the gold medal. And our lives kind of changed from there. Um, they were not married at, at the time, but soon we built this whole organization, which was the Leonard family business to uh, to make sure that we took advantage of the opportunities that were being presented because he was the, uh, my father was the darling of the Olympics. So he had the big smile and charismatic uh, way about him. So, you know, that's kind of what, what 
you know, started out my my life and everything changed from being a little kid and with nothing to being a kid that everybody knew in the neighborhood and around the world and traveling and being in front of cameras and TV. All of a sudden it was really nerve wracking and it was it was a lot going on. So it was a lot to adjust to, but it was a beautiful experience experience. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was, you know, something that uh, I thought was just my journey. So I thought maybe like that was something for everybody. But, you know, getting older and realizing that it was kind of a one of a kind of journey um, it, it's, it's really humbling to, to see nowadays. I would love to know, and I bet my listeners would too, what are some of the key lessons for life? that you took away from growing up with your dad and watching all the things that he experienced, you were experiencing some things yourself that I'm imagining now you're applying to your own life, family, and business. Talk about some of those. Um, one of the biggest, I mean, I guess a couple of the biggest things was uh, communication and, and uh, the always the thirst to always know better. My grandfather told me when I was young, you know better, do better. And that's what my podcast is based upon. And that's everything in my life is based upon learning and, and maturing and trying to figure out how to be better every single day. Uh, and I think that's what my parents learned because they were so young and we all learned together. So we're, we're not that far apart. So one of the biggest things was to take the advice of uh, a Muhammad Ali or uh, a Nelson Mandela or the Queen of England. I mean, these are people that Sammy David Jr., these are people that I was around at that, at that young, tender age, which is uh, unspeakable to even, even think about having that uh, experience. But they were a wealth of knowledge and people wanted to share the knowledge back then. So taking the information and figuring out what to do with it. So, you know, a lot of people, we, we, we can talk about leadership and talk about hearing information and, and how, uh, you know, uh, being smarter. But if you don't apply it, then it's not going to uh, resonate with anybody. It's not going to change your life. So that, that's kind of one of the one of the biggest things that I learned early on is take the information that uh, you learn from people that have already been there and, and use it to to leverage into your benefit to make life better, not just for yourself, but for your community. Mm. That's great. And you are also involved in sports a lot, right? In high school and in college. You didn't pursue boxing, if I remember correctly. Talk about some of the sports that you participated in at both the high school and college level and what impact those have had in what you bring to the business world. So, so that was the path that everybody thought I was going to be following my father's footsteps. Uh, but it, it's tough to live in the shadow where your father's a six-time world champion in five different weight divisions and Olympic gold medalist. So uh, boxing was something that I did. I was pretty good at it early on, but it hurt to get punched in the face. So I said, I, no, this is not, not for me. It's not my thing. I love the sport. Um, there's got to be a better way. Uh, so my passion became team sports. Um, I, I ran track and field and, and played football. I was a you know pretty good football player. And this was kind of like my Olympic gold medal is that I was the first person in my family ever to go to college. So I earned a football scholarship. I went to Ohio University. You see my um, my football helmet back in the background. Uh, but I was a two-sport athlete. So I was uh, uh, you know pretty good. I was uh, in the state's championship for, uh, for track and field for her hurdles. I still I think I still have the record in in Maryland for um, the fastest time in the 300 meter hurdles. 
and um, you know, did pretty well. So I competed in college in, in the hurdles and in, um, in football and, and kind of paved my own way. And the thing I loved about being in a team sport was that you were depending upon everybody else to be a part of your success. And sometimes the leadership of one individual can change the lives of everybody else. And I've learned that from that aspect of sports, it, it transfers over to business because you're, uh, you know, how, how you DYJ, what we say, do your job and how you affect someone else can make a change in the whole organization, whether it's a football team, whether it's a business, it's, it's a different type of type of leadership because you have to have trust and you have to have mentorship. And you have to, you know, uh, believe that everybody else is going to be on that same mission. And once you're able to have that and have that direction, you're able to have success. So uh, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned from football, especially because there's so many people and everybody it's, it's so many things that dependent success dependent upon so many other people and, and them doing their job the correct way and being motivated to have that full goal. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I'm thinking about the various businesses you started, and I would love for you to talk about a couple of them and then talk about how you have gotten the team in each case to really come together and work together for this common purpose. Cause you started some pretty interesting and diverse companies. Yeah. So I, I thought I was going to be an NFL star in uh, college and that was kind of the, the dream, but I got sidetracked and distracted with other things and then injuries happened. So it, it didn't work out the way I planned. I did have an opportunity to try out for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, which is funny because uh, when I got my sports management degree in 1996, that's when the movie Jerry Maguire came out. And I said, if Tom Cruise can do it, then I can do it too. I can show you the money. I can do the whole thing. So that that was kind of my my entree into business. I was, I guess, so just young and naive and believed in myself so much that I said I could come straight out of college and, and start a business. It didn't hurt that my buddy at the time in Ohio was in basketball was the number 11 pick in the NBA drafted. Um, he believed in me enough to think that, you know, my brain and my skill set could do it you know, strictly out of, out of right off of, out of uh, college. And, um, you know, started a company, built it up to 22, 20, 25 um, athletes at, at kind of the, the peak of what we're doing in all different sports, uh, 15 employees. And I ended up selling a company by the time I was 26 years old. So um, I, I did pretty well there. And but it was always the curiosity of business for me to figure out what was the next step. Because at 26, when you sell a company, you think you've made it. And uh, my curiosity was the financial services company that bought my company. I was like, what are they doing that they have money to buy my company? <laughs> so that's what I went into financial services. I got my Series 7 66 license through uh, Merrill Lynch and uh, went to the financial services business for uh, about seven or eight years. And then you've you've created more businesses since then, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And so after I got out of the financial services business, because it wasn't a passion of mine, I created a consulting company and uh, called Launch Team Consulting. My, my partner, Dr. Joy Wright, we uh, do training, uh, leadership, DE&I, uh, diversity training, um, mentorship training. And a lot, of the, a lot of the contracts that we had were for the, the military and different corporate organizations. 
And that's kind of where I fell into to speaking as a professional speaker as well, because I'd go out and train and it was, it was more so coaching to me. I would just, you know, kind of, you know, coaching organizations and coaching people on how to be better at what they were doing. And uh, they asked me to come speak at the Naval, Naval base when I was uh, moved out to California. And so I'd had no idea, had no official training of how to be a professional speaker, but went down and just spoke from the heart because my, my business partner was a Navy veteran. And so she said, uh, you know, what, what you say when you're coaching the kids, you know, could help the, the, the sailors and these soldiers here. So I said, okay, I'll do it. Went down, spoke. They said, can you come back two weeks later and do it again? Said, okay. I went back and did it two weeks later. And then all of a sudden they said, here, if you, will you travel over here and we'll pay you to do it? And I said, okay, that makes, that sounds good to me. So uh, that, that's kind of started my speaking career. Uh, grew into my consulting business. So the sports management consulting, I've continued doing it for, for years. And now uh, being a part of the, the venture studio, uh, nobody studios that we're building a hundred companies in five years and being the CEO of Ovations, the new talent marketplace is, uh, is kind of the, the, the new passion that the pandemic led me into. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's such a perfect timing because so many organizations have moved to having virtual events it's so much more cost effective. And so this service you're providing is going to be great for matching them with speakers who would be a really good fit for their particular audiences. As you have built teams, you mentioned coaching youth, and I would love to go there for a few minutes because I think you have accumulated such wonderful, I think not just uh, athletic skills, but coaching skills you know, knowledge about how life works. And I know you, you've been passionate about coaching young people. So talk a little bit about that. What are some of the key, I guess, um, beyond learning the mechanics of the, the sport they're playing in, what are some of the other important aspects around life that you are trying to help them absorb and learn? So the biggest thing for me is always accountability. Um, you have to be accountable to yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with the people that are around you for you to be able to get better. Because if you're living in a land that you're always blaming somebody else and think that you're not accountable for what you're doing, what you need to learn, how you get, what you get better at, then there's always going to be a problem because it's easier to blame somebody else than to take that personal accountability. That's one of the things, first things that I, that I train the kids to say, oh, you don't have to be the best athlete. You don't have to be the best person on the team, but you have to be accountable to get the best effort. I talk about controlling your eight, you know, which is your attitude, your preparation, and your effort. And you know, once that, that the pressure gets on your back, people react differently, and that shows your character. So the biggest thing is that, hey, I'm accountable to myself. I'm going to have a great character, and I'm going to know that every single morning when I get up and look in the mirror, I had a great attitude. I gave, I was prepared for what I had to come and I gave my best effort. But once you do that, you'll never go home and have to have an issue with how you perform. And that's everything in life. That's what I teach my kids. That's what I teach the business people that, that I deal with is you have to first take, take that, that, that personal audit of yourself and say, okay, who am I? What am I going to be responsible for? And what can I accomplish, accomplish and be held to accountability on the other side to somebody else? 
Mm-hmm. And once we do that, I think it's, it's, it's a much better situation to deal with people. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to have issues, okay to have deficiencies in certain areas, but you have to be accountable to know that you have those deficiencies and say, I want to fix them. How do you model that for the young athletes that you work with and also with people on the teams that you've worked with? How do you demonstrate that yourself? So I, I I get up all the time and and I I talk about some of the some of the not failures but some of the life lessons that I've learned and how I overcame them and how I got better at them and you know when I tell one of these kids something uh, I have to be you know, accountable to them to show that I'm moving in that same direction you can't just say yeah do as I say not as I do so you have to have to model that behavior and that's what I try to do. Every single day is, you know, I, I show that I work in my community, I help others, I uh, do things outside of uh, my purview sometimes. And, and everything that I do is not just about, you know, well, what can it do for me? But what sometimes is what can I do for, for somebody else and have that go-giver spirit to say, okay, I, if I can do something for somebody else and I'm honest about it and they see that repetition of it because it's, it's easy to, to, to post it on, on a social media and say, hey, I did this, this was great. But to be consistent about what you do in life and how you're held accountable to other people and how you're uh, uh, held accountable to yourself is, is is a tough task, you know, for for all of us. So that that's kind of that's kind of what I, what I try to do, and that's what I aspire to do every single day. Uh, I get better every day because, like I said, that's what my grandfather told me: <laughs> be better, be one percent better every single day. Yeah, talk a little bit about his um, four words because that really had a a strong impact on you over these years, know better, be better. What did that mean? Well, first of all, do you know what he meant by it? And then what does it mean to you personally? How do you apply that? I didn't know what he meant at the time. I knew the energy of what he meant, what he was telling me, but I didn't really digest it until later on in life. And it was that you, you seek the knowledge and you seek to try to be a better person in everything that you do and be better at everything that you do and you know, hold yourself accountable that, you know, I was, you know, I learned yesterday and I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. And always a constant progress in life of trying to figure out how to be that, the best version of you and understanding that you are enough. That was the, one of the biggest things that I, I am enough. And all of my flaws, everything that I had that was uh, an issue, that if I'm trying to perfect it or trying to make make it better, then we're moving forward in life. And that's going to have an impact because my kids will get better. My community will get better. The people around me will get better because they see the progress of me trying to get better. And so he talked about insanity being doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Uh, so if you don't have that constant progression of trying to be better than you were the day before, then you know, you're never making any progress. So I figured that out years later. <laughs> That's what he actually meant to me. But uh, it, it was it was eye opening. And I mean, it had to be in my late 30s when I actually realized it, what he was actually saying to me. And he passed away four years ago. And um, I told him when we on, on, on his deathbed, I was like, I, I get it, Grandpa. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple of different things you said there I'd like to go a little deeper with. One is this getting being 1% better every day. I'm curious, how do you go about 
evaluating at the end of the day, let's say, was I 1% better today? What criteria do you use to reflect on and evaluate? Have I made progress today or not? So that's, 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 a, great, that's a great question because um, I'm a big list guy. And I, I like to check things off as, as I go throughout the day because it shows up, make progress. Um, the Air Force, uh, I think, Admiral or, or Captain that, that talked about making your bed be your first part of success every single day. Um, it's, on, it's on YouTube. I don't remember exactly who what his name was, but that kind of stuck with me. It's like you want to start your day off with a success and be able to check off things that you know here. I accomplished this already. And going throughout the day, there's going to be bad things. There's going to be you know, good things throughout the day. So I use these uh, uh, cue cards at night. And so I write down, always write down the best parts of my day. And then I write down the worst parts of the day and the things I thought I could have done better. I take them into account and then I rip up all the bad things and take the, the positivity notes that I had uh, throughout the day and say, okay, here, this is your progress. This is what you did good today. So take that with you to bed. When you wake up in the morning, you want to build upon that, not upon the negative. The negative is going to happen, but you tear it up as you go every single day and you learn from it and move for, move forward with it. Oh, that's great. I love that because I think too often people get into just replaying the mistakes they made and, and that's what keeps getting churned around in their heads and is staying with them. I like your approach so much that you're going to bed at night with those positives in mind and you're letting go of those negatives so they don't keep staying in your head, messing with your attitude and your sense of yourself. Yeah, I mean, you can you can beat yourself up and I'm a big advocate of mental health because um, I, I struggled as, as a young person. And even as, as I grew older to be with, with being silent about um, being a, a man, a black man, and that I had to thought, think that I had to talk in a certain way, or I couldn't expose my emotions or anything else. I couldn't, I couldn't be, I had to be tough all the time. And that weighs on you until you figure out how to deal with it and understand that we all are flawed people. And once I, once I learned and accept that, it was much easier for me to let things go <laughs> as the day goes on. And the, the pandemic was, was, was a big, um, eye-opener, I think, to a lot of people of how to be with yourself, how to be alone with your thoughts and, and the mental stress and strain. And if you didn't find a way to release it and let it go, um, then we're seeing a lot of the issues that are happening now today with, with, with people that are struggling with, with, with mental health issues because you don't know how to communicate. You don't, you know, uh, aren't open to, you know, being vulnerable. And this, this is a life, this is a roller coaster journey. And so once you know that, you know, you're going to have your dips and you'll go up, up and down to not have that expectation, expectation that everything is going to be perfect all the time. And mm -hmm. I think it releases a big burden off of us to, to know that and to know that, you know, I'm a, I say the greatest thing about being present in the moment to tell your story is knowing that there's always more to write. So it's a constant, constant journey. Uh, my book is still being written every single day. And I have the pen that controls where I go from here. Oh, that's, I, I like that metaphor. That's wonderful. You know, you said something earlier that I want to also explore because you said you knew I am enough. And many people are plagued by imposter syndrome 
where they feel like, oh, I'm going to be found out. They, they have a deep sense of I'm not enough. What do you think, what would you attribute your sense of feeling enough to? And how do you sustain that over time? I think the, the, the biggest thing is, is being comfortable in my own skin. And I think people were being comfortable in their own skin. We always love to, to look back and then look up, but we never just look forward and see where we're going and, and be comfortable where, where we are at that point in time. You can look at somebody and say, okay, I aspire to be them, but you don't have to be them because they're, they, they were not that person when they started out. <laughs> it was the growth period. And so we understand where that, you know, as, as a child, we had to learn to walk. We had to learn to run. So there's always growth that, that we have to go through. So that, that's kind of my, my, my thinking. And the fact that we all have our individual fingerprint, that means that there's, we need to celebrate our own path because there's, there's no two fingerprints that are alike. So we were made here and we're here for a reason to have our own journey. So your journey is enough for who you are. This is your journey. This is not anybody else's life to live. This is your journey. So be comfortable in your journey and don't look at somebody else and say, I should be there. No, you're right where you need to be at this time. And if you want to progress and move to where you're going to be later on, then you know that, that's you, you follow what your path is. But you don't have to take somebody else's uh, you know, journey or what they've done and think that you're not enough because you haven't achieved that. Because a lot of it's, it's material. I've seen so many people throughout my life that had all the material things and are the most miserable people in the world. And I've seen people that have nothing and that are the happiest people in the world because they're comfortable with, with where they are and who they are. So um, I think traveling, getting the most experience, seeing more cultures, understanding people, understanding struggles of everybody uh, outside of just yourself helps you move forward. Mm-hmm. And what I'm also hearing from you is there's such a danger in making comparisons of yourself to somebody else, instead of just appreciating who you are at this moment. And I like that you really emphasize that. You were just talking about all your traveling and all the people you've met. I would love for you to share who are some of the most memorable leaders that you've admired or you do admire, whether they're living or dead at this point. But, and what is it about them that caused you to say, wow, that is somebody I really admire and respect. Huh. Um, Muhammad Ali was, was uh, you know, such an uh, integral part of my life. Uh, he and my father had the same bodyguards. Um, Jamal Anderson, who played for the Atlanta Falcons, that's his dad, a guy named James Anderson. Um, who uh, has passed away, but there was so much of a connection between us and him. And for him to be such a braggadocious character that people saw, but of such a principled man, but was a person that would give the shirt off his back for, for somebody in need. That was one of the people that really resonated with me uh, for you know a, a large part of my life, I guess, because I spent a lot of time with him. Um, and and to and to see the growth and his understanding that he was you know, such a big powerful figure in the world, but he was also a person that was searching for um, 
being the best person that he could be through his, his religion, through how he functioned with his kids and family, to um, him trying to be a, a more educated person and how he functioned with his community. The, the guy was it was in the middle of, of um, you know, the biggest prime of his life and took a principal stand to say here, um, it does, it's not about that, but it's about my principalities and, and, and went to jail and lost everything that, it, that he had but was still a principal person that kind of stand was just just resonated with me as a young person to say okay i i can i can be him that's great thank you are there any other tips that you might want to share with my listeners who are looking to themselves grow as leaders what are some leadership tips that you might share based on your own experience in the companies you've run or as a father um, or in any of the roles that you've had in your life? Well, there's several. There, uh, the one is, is no fear of failure. Uh, you, can, you can't progress and be totally scared of, 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 of failing or, or learning. Learning up is what I like to call it, like mm. learning up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, because if you take that, uh, that life lesson and, and, and use it to make yourself better, then you know, you're always going to be in a progressive situation and not make those same mistakes again. Um, you know, being brutally honest with, with yourself and where you are and your limitations and what you can and cannot do. I think that is one of the biggest things, and I impart that to my, uh, my staff. As you know, I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. And these are some some of the cliche things that you don't need to be the smartest person in the room, but you have to be able to share the vision and be able to be charismatic enough or or to to get people to believe in, in, in what you're doing. And uh always wanting to be better. I, I think that that is a, a goal. It's once I've reached a pinnacle, whether if I'm a champion or not, I still want to be able to progress and be better. And I think if we're all open to that and we all want to communicate honestly and truthfully of how we feel, I think we will be in a much better place. Communication becomes a major issue because if you talk about, you know, what happens in organizations, it's, you know, a lot of it is it's fear-based, it's a lot of copycatism and the, the failure to be able to communicate with other people, uh, no matter where they come from and background. Because if I say one thing to you, you may hear it differently than somebody else. So I got to say, oh, here, the, you know, here, this, this is what we're thinking. You know, how do you feel about that? What's your understanding of this? You no, know, your understanding may be different than what I said. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think the communication and, and, and uh, no fear of the vision is, is, is a, um, a big piece of it. And, and having, having that long-term goal and being fair to people. It, it, I think life is as simple as about the yin-yang balance. You know, if, if, if you stay the course, you have the yin-yang balance, you have the big vision, and you're able to share it and communicate it with others, I, I think we'll all be in a better place from, not just from business-wise, but socially as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. I just thought of another question I want to ask you real quick. <clears throat> you have four children, right? Yes. What would you wish for them as far as the one key thing you would want them to take into their own adult lives as a result of having lived in your home? Mm. Um, I, I think uh, the, the biggest thing that was is 
acceptance and love and um, the thought process that you know we all are uh, you know human beings and, and to be uh, treat each other like you want to be treated and I think I try to instill that to them um, you know my daughter is a graduate from Pepperdine University and uh, had an academic scholarship and she's doing her own thing in New York and my uh, oldest son is, is a second person out of our family to go to college and he's playing football at Grambling State University and my two youngest ones are uh, well my Youngest son is in his freshman in high school, and my his daughter is a volleyball star. So they're they're doing their own thing, and and they're comfortable to come to us and communicate to us. And I think that is has been the biggest thing. We show love to each other. We show brutal honesty sometimes, but at the end of the day, we want to see each one of us do as good as we can do, mm-hmm. and be a, be a champion for other people, not just think about yourself but also be a champion for others. And I think, you know, like I said, if, if, if you treat others like you want to be treated, I think it makes the whole world much, much simpler. And then how you go out into life a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. I love that. Being a champion for others as also, and also being a champion for yourself. That's a theme that I've heard, you know, throughout our conversation this afternoon. Ray, I just love what you've shared. Thank you so much for your the experiences you've had, the lessons you've learned, and your desire to keep growing, learning, and expanding. I think that's a a key takeaway for all of us. I'm certainly inspired by what you're striving to do. And I love your practical application at night of reflecting on what you really had as good things and letting go of the ones that didn't go so well. For my audience who would love to connect with you, learn more about your offerings, including ovations, how can they connect with you and find out more about your services? Yeah, so I, I try to keep it simple. So everywhere on social media is Ray Leonard Jr. Uh, at Ray Leonard Jr. Then my website is RayLeonardJr.com. But then also uh, the new company and adventure studio is NobodyStudios.com and ovations with a Z.com is, is the newest venture that we're launching really soon. Uh, super excited about it. And then some of the nonprofit stuff that I do, I talk about my friend, uh, Brett Wilson, who has Welking Miracles. Um, he, you check out his story. It, it's it's amazing. Like I said, I'm, I'm a champion for others. He, he's an amazing person. I'm on his board. And then my father's foundation, the Sugar Ray Leonard Foundation, we're doing our event this coming week. So, uh, you know, life is life is good and uh you know, I, i'm constantly looking to to move forward so everything is ray leonard jr that's great and i want to reinforce brett wilson's um program the um walking miracles family foundation i had a chance to speak with him recently and that was quite an experience you know we all have our challenges in life his have been extraordinary Uh, Ray, thank you so much for the positive contributions you make to the world and the impact you are having just by being such a remarkable person. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you, Meredith. And I love what you're doing and all the energy that you've been giving to us. We totally appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com. And check out our two books, 
connect with your team, and peer coaching made simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.